državljandi podcast za aktivne državljane. Okay. Uh, welcome ladies and gentlemen to yet another uh, international edition of um podcast. Uh your list is to the fi- on 15th of October. It's my birthday today, so uh, happy birthday me. Uh, we're actually recording this on 3rd of September, so a uh, month in advance. And with us today is uh, Valentina Pavel. Uh, Valentina Pavel is a, is a legal researcher at the Ada Lovelace Institute, a UK-based research and deliberative body, with a remit to ensure that uh, data and AI work for people, AI work <laughs> for people and society. You can tell I'm reading from a, from a script. Uh, she's also part of the Apti Romania, a digital rights NGO, uh, member of the network of 42 organizations present in Brussels as European Digital Rights. So, uh, welcome, Valentina. Um, our work or our debate is going to revolve around uh, the future of our data or uh, the, 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 the data future. Uh, you wrote about it extensively during your uh, Mozilla uh, fellowship. And um, I would just kick it off with the question of what's wrong with our data or why do we have to need, why do we need this discussion revolving around uh, ownership of, of our data? Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, happy birthday, Domin. <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> surprise that, that we're broadcasting this on, on your birthday. I yeah. uh, hope you have uh, lots of fun. Um, Thank you. <laughs> first, let me, let me uh, just unpack uh, <laughs> the script that you read a little bit uh, earlier about the Ada Lovelace Institute. Uh, I know we have quite an imposing tagline um, uh, that our mission is to ensure data and AI work for people and society. But what that means is that we gather evidence around the social and ethical impacts of data and new technologies such as artificial intelligence. And uh, the program that I'm uh, currently working on is called Rethinking Data. And my task is to figure out how we can change the data governance ecosystem and uh, more specifically how we can develop a positive vision for the future of data um, uh, governance and data rights. And mm. this this links very much to the project that I was working on before uh, joining the Ada Lovelace Institute. Um, as a Mozilla Fellow at Privacy International, I developed um, a project called Our Data Future. Um, where I explore different data governance models. Now, for example, attaching property rights to data or seeing data um, as labor or um, imagining how would the National Data Trust uh, uh, data fund uh, look like. And ultimately, um, why I think uh, a, a, a data rights uh, model is uh, best suited for, for our future uh, direction. So uh, I guess um, my core message around ownership, um, a discussion that has been um, around for many years now, especially in the academic field, um, it's not something new. Um, academics have been discussing this for, for quite a while now and it, there seems to be agreement that attaching traditional property rights to data is um, not a good idea and it doesn't work uh, from a legal perspective. Um, and I think it's important to 
um, to go a little bit deeper into this discussion around um, property rights for data or different uh, financial compensation models for data, because I don't think we we really understand or we haven't figured out what's the question that we're actually addressing uh, when we say that we want property rights or we want some sort of, of compensation uh, for the data we generate, because um, it's quite easy and it, I think it resonates with a lot of people, the fact that um, it's unfair. Big companies are um, amassing vast amounts of data, they're exploiting um, this information for their own profits and um, we, we feel left out. We don't have a say in this, um, where um, companies are uh, profiting uh, on our behalf, so it's quite easy for us to say um, if companies uh, earn so, so much money and gain so much profit, why wouldn't we get a share of the pie? Why mm. wouldn't we receive some sort of um, compensation as well? Mm. Um, but what I, I think it's often missed, uh, missed from um, this type of, um, of thinking is uh, the underlying question of the, of the problem that, that we're trying to solve. And I think um, it's, it's quite clear for us that, that we're um, upset about the, the, the business model that the companies, um, uh, most of the, the big companies uh, rely on nowadays based on advertising and, and tracking and, and profiling. And I think this is the problem that we, we want to, to address. Mm. And from my point of view, uh, the di direction towards solving this is not through uh, property rights or asking uh, money for the data that, that you generate. Mm. There's a lot to unpack here in, in your introduction uh, and uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. So why does this uh, data model that I'm not going to say has been working so far, but what changed that the, the debate around data rights and data ownership is now coming into, into the front lines of, of debate, not only in the academia, but also in the NGO sector, in the media sector, in the political sector. What changed from the beginning where people were, let's say, happy to use the, let's say, digital services for free, quotation marks, uh, and paying for those services with, you know, data production or, or personal data. Well, I think uh, this is exactly the point. Um, at the beginning, um, there weren't so many services that, that, that we used or they were just uh, barely starting. And the model was, uh, was a, a free um, or a no payment um, for, for that service. And uh, of course, people were um, were happy to 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 use it to connect um, to their family and friends, um, maybe to to use um, free email services for for work or for finding jobs, uh, new opportunities. So um, there was never an emphasis on the fine print around what this what this means. Uh, what does a free service actually? Uh, how, how does this free service actually operate in the background? And and when we started realizing what's um, what's the business model around free services and and how our data is um, exploited and and harvested, um, then we had um, 
uh, a triggering point. Mm. So, so what's going on now? What are what are some of your um, let's say thoughts on how uh, this matter should be handled in the future? What's what's let's say let's start with with the present. So, what's happening now in this field? Uh, what's uh, worth paying attention to? Uh, and uh, where should we um, where should we look for for possible solutions of this of this issue? Well, I guess we're noticing a lot more pressure on companies to to behave. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, we we see pressures cr- coming bro- both from inside the company. So, for example, um, employees or unions. Um, counteracting some of the uh, big companies' practices. Um, and we also see external uh, pressure from, um, from uh, the, you know, from regular individuals. Um, and I think this has been in particularly triggered in, in the European Union by, by the adoption, uh, by the entering into force of the General Data Protection Regulation, mm-hmm. which, uh, which offers um, um, an array of rights for, for people to use um, and try to uh, put some of uh, this uh, power back into the hands of the people. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very true that if you try today to exercise any of the, of the rights under the GDPR, so for example, um, access to data, um, correcting or modifying information, um, the possibility to to port or move your data from one company to to the other or or to delete your data um it's it's not going to be a trivial task uh mm. you'll you'll probably um get into some some hurdles with this um and companies or some of them um haven't uh, put in application very seamless and uh very straightforward processes for you to do that and mm-hmm. you'll probably get annoyed if um if they actually come back to you and ask maybe for your uh national id card or from for other sensitive documentation in order to prove that you're the real person that uh, uh who asks for um, access to data or um or um, other types of rights and mm. the good news is that civil society mobilizes itself quite uh, quite quickly and uh, i have to give credit to bits of freedoms uh, tool which is called my data done right mm-hmm. um, it's an online platform where you can um, that helps you exercise uh, some of these uh, some of these rights um, and um, I encourage all listeners to to try to use that and then see for themselves how how's the process uh, and if if they encounter any trouble um, there are lots of ways in order to uh, to complain uh, you can address the data protection authority um, and um, this is it's important for us to put constant pressure on operationalizing um, these uh, processes Mm -hmm. uh, because if we just lay back and um, resign, um, things are not going to move forward. Mm. So we need uh, a collective power around pushing for for an effective uh, exercise of our data rights. 
Mm. So, so here's my issue. I, I constantly bring up when we're discussing, be it GDPR or this personal responsibility. Uh, do you have like the same notion, or my notion is that we're putting too much uh, responsibility into the hands of the of the end user. So we're constantly pushing for this smart, active, uh, aware user that 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 is constantly on the edge of his or her seat waiting for or keeping out for dangers that are preying on on its data online and and he or she is constantly involved in in our own or his her own data protection so there is no other let's say office or there's no other um, entity that protects him if if the user let's say agrees like we said before, you know, if you read the fine print and you agree with fine print, then you're you're on your own. You basically, you could basically give out your I don't know <laughs> bodily organs to the company if you if you clicked yes on the end of the EULA. So, do you think that um, that uh, model will change in the future or will be adapted so that the user is not the only and the last line of defense against, let's say, data theft or, or data uh, misuse? Or are we going to have to like breed a new race of humans that are more aware or that are constantly aware of all the dangers that are preying on it <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the digital landscape? Um, no, for sure, we don't need to reinvent a human ship. Mm. Um, but at the same time, if uh, discussions around ownership and monetization for data uh, start lifting up, I think there's a little chance of us um, unveiling other mechanisms that, that would um, balance these asymmetries of power between individuals and corporations. Mm. So this this is one of my my biggest critiques around uh, property rights for data or asking um, asking uh, payment for the data we generate because um, you will still need to manage that you will still need to um, I don't know um, be the governor of your uh, relationship and. Um, um, and handle all the data sets that, that you might have stored in a, for example, in a personal data store, mm -hmm. um, how you uh, allow access to, to that data, how much you ask for it or how much you want to get paid for it. And all these types of, of uh, micro transactions or um, all this micromanagement uh, is not going to, to, to help gain a better or standing point um, in relationship to companies. Mm. So, but again, playing the devil's advocate, if you if you compare the current uh, the current um, digital landscape, what would you say that what would you say that in the current digital landscape, who's the biggest uh, data misappropriator or data thief? Uh, that 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 gobbles up or that that catches the the majority of the data that is produced by by the end user or that is shared by the end user. I think it's important for us to realize that aside the let's say 
visible um, big tech companies that we see almost every day in, in newspapers and in news stories. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a wide web of um, data brokers or companies that we've never heard before, uh, which are manipulating our data and, and which are inferring different observations or drawing different conclusions uh, based on that. And they're um, making a lot of money out of this. Mm. So it's um, this complicates things quite a lot. Um, um, during my fellowship at Privacy International, uh, the organization uh, ran a project uh, unveiling some of this uh, hidden web of um, of data brokers mm -hmm. and uh, put forward some tools for in support of people who wanted to to step up against this. Um, but this is this is coming back to to the message that I wanted to to convey earlier. We need to do something about the the, the business models, and of course, it's not on uh, uh, Valentina and Domen to hmm. individually solve this. Mm -hmm. um, but we've we've reached a point in which we, we we need to start looking for for solutions and in in the data governance uh, space um, there are indeed discussions around data cooperatives uh, or data commons um, data trust models um, and a lot of experts are involved in discussions including the the Ada Lovelace Institute around the question of how can we um, bring forward the social value of data? How can we make data work for the common good? So this is going to be a way of, of counteracting all, all these um, exploitative business models and trying to, to put data to good use. Mm. And another aspect that I think it's, it's uh, becoming or that is important uh, related to our data rights is the, or digital rights is the, the political aspect. So uh, Romania, Slovenia, and the the Eastern Bloc, or the <laughs> the the countries on the right side of the of the map, have a different, uh, let's say, experience towards uh, big databases and the role of the of the state involved in handling user or citizen data, as opposed to let's say the Western Europe and and the U.S. Do you think that's a problem when we're trying to uh, let's say form a global or let's say internet-wide policy or, or set of policies regarding how the data protection should be handled or regarding the the um, like the security measures in place when trying to uh, rein in these data thieves and data handlers. Um, two points on on your question. Um, first, uh, people who have um, had the chance to look at the EU data strategy may have noticed uh, this emphasis on um, data spaces. We don't really know exactly what data spaces are, but let's imagine that there are a big pool um, in which uh, a lot of data from from different fields is uh, is gathered. So, uh, 
you know, uh, coming from from Romania, of course, uh, this automatically raises a lot of uh, red flags for me personally, mm. uh, given giving the the cultural um, sensibilities. Um, but there are um, also other um, issues with it, which I explored in in a recent blog post on on the Ada Lovelace website, and those concerns uh, mostly deal with um, uh, mixing personal data um, with non-personal data mm. um, and the fact that in Europe we have two separate regimes and it gets um, very confused, very confusing for for, for companies and, and for um, governmental bodies uh, when it comes to, to manipulating this data. Mm. Um, so th this, this would be a first um, a first comment on your question and and the second is the fact that uh, although um, the GDPR has um, um, has gained a global reach and we see GDPR like laws in many different countries around the world the most recent being uh, Brazil which mm -hmm. announced uh, uh, which ad adopted um, its data protection law, which is a very encouraging and a major um, advancement when it comes to uh, personal data rights and human rights in general. Um, at the same time, uh, we need to understand that when it comes to um, to technology and infrastructures, there's probably not a one-size-fits-all solution. Mm. So, in certain contexts, um, uh, perhaps a decentralized uh, uh, model based on interoperability and data portability might be uh, the best direction forward. Um, in other countries, um, there may be a preference and uh, um, an increased level of trust uh, from the people into governmental bodies. Um, and having a centralized model would not be a problem or will not um, uh, automatically trigger any human rights abuses. Mm. So, uh, we're, I think uh, we're still to understand how we can, how we can juggle with, with different cultural backgrounds and, and different traditions um, and different approaches to, to technology. Mm. Because one other problem or issue revolving the, the cultural background is also the the location of all these or the majority of these companies, right? Because it's basically, if you look at the, the tech hubs on a global scale, you can see that there's the European Union has a, a sort of a bad rap on this, on this uh, area, maybe because it's uh, too fragmented. Uh, the two big hubs are China and the US, right? Mm -hmm. And that causes a problem or issue of understandings. What, you know, how, how do we handle these data transfer and what do we do when these data transfer are indeed global? Um, and what do you think the role of the like European Union should be in, in this matter? We hear a lot of talk with the GDPR being like the first flag of this uh, privacy fort that should um, should be enforced in the European Union related to the China and, and the US. Do you think that's a credible or that's a that's a obtainable possibility? 
that the Europe is like on the vanguard of, of uh, privacy and personal data security? Um, I think it, it's not on me to to say that uh, the GDPR is uh, the, the the perfect solution, uh, but it's uh, definitely um, the the most advanced framework that we have currently mm -hmm. around the world, and uh, that's certainly to be credited. Of course, we can do uh, lots of improvements to it um, as part of the rethinking data project that I'm that I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, we're exploring uh, how to um, further advance the um, the existing regulation around data. Um, but um, when it comes to um, Europe's role in in this uh, entire discussion, I think the focus on fundamental rights um, and on human rights is especially important, and I think this should be the trajectory moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, how much the EU is is going to be able to leverage this uh, remains to, to be seen. Um, but for sure, I would support uh, this type of approach much better than uh, one dominated by, by abuse, uncertainty, mistrust uh, and hidden agendas, uh, which I would suspect both uh, the Chinese and the Americans to, to do. Mm. Okay, and, and uh, not the last one, but the pre-last question um, related to the to the current uh, ongoing pandemic um, in regards to, to digital rights and to, to um, the ownership of the data issue. Do you think this, uh, this pandemic will um, in a way be a wake-up call for the people to finally realize with hands-on maybe problems or issue how um, the importance of personal data and medical records and things related to um, to other aspects of, of one one's private life, or do you think this pandemic will only uh, embolden these uh, internet giants or this these digital companies that are already managing more than three quarters of our offline and on life online lives? Mm -hmm. This is a very good question, and I think uh, the answer lies um, in both directions. Uh, mm. Of course, of course, we we saw a rise of um, uh, of big tech companies coming with solutions um, that we may or we may have not asked for, uh, mm. but definitely we were not consulted uh, about. So that's uh, that's something that that we should be thinking about going further. Um, how 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 does it come that big tech companies can just come and and put forward their solutions, whatever that is? Um, uh, without any sort of uh, legit legitimacy check behind it, uh, with without consultations and um, yeah, basically rolling out whatever they see fit for us. Mm. I think I think this uh, this is a bit uh, undermining, and I I do um, understand the the severity of the situation and the the crisis that that we're facing. But when it comes to 
a more um, democratic uh, discussion around this, I think um, we still have things to, to unpack. So um, I'm not sure how how we how we we can deal with this uh, problem moving forward, but for sure we're at the point where we need to fundamentally rethink the systems uh, around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and with more and more services going online, uh, for example, in the UK now you can uh, call your physician and you can have. Uh, uh, the consultation running on a, a video conferencing platform on mm. some, something that was not heard of before. So things are things did advance very very fast, mm-hmm. um, triggered by by the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. and um, um, yeah, it's it's um, it's. It's still on on us, I would say. I know you're not a big fan of uh, putting responsibility back on on individuals, but we need to figure out figure this out as a collective in the society um, and uh, put put these types of uh, tech, social, ethical questions uh, on our daily agendas moving forward. At mm. least this is this is my impression. Mm. And and one final question. So there's a lot of. Uh battles or there's a lot of issues opening up in the field of of, uh, digital rights and and data ownership and um, other related um, areas. But what would be in your example or in your opinion, uh, like the the, the most current battle that is going on now or what should be or in your opinion, what should be the thing that everybody should pay attention like now as they listen to this uh, conversation of ours? I would say two things. Um, one would be to have a look at the uh, public consultations that are now open from the European uh, Commission. Uh, we have an upcoming one um, ending on the 8th of um, September on the Digital Services Act, uh, which is um, a new proposal from the European Commission. Um, trying to understand if we should uh, change uh, uh, liability responsibilities for, for companies. And this poses a lot of questions on on both freedom of expression, um, but also the right to privacy and, and, and data protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot. Uh, so th- uh, right now there are quite a number of uh, public consultations open and if you need help with uh, contributing to any of these uh, you can go on the EDRI website at uh, www.edri.org to see both the calendar and some um, um, and the guide they they produce in order to be able to to answer these questions and submit your answers, mm-hmm. and um, when and the second point is um, on this discussion on property rights for data, but more specifically on um, asking for compensations, compensation for for data, mm. um, and uh, it's it's becoming um, a growing trend. Um, there are data marketplaces. Uh, there are initiatives. Um, where you can 
download an app and um, input the data that you would like companies to have access to and you get some controls um, around this data and um, the bargain is that you would also receive some money um, if you use the service. Mm. Um, and I would encourage listeners to uh, be a little bit more critical around uh, services and apps um, that promote this type of um, of direction. Because again, if if we just if we want to fundamentally change the ecosystem, and if we're um, upset about the imbalance of power and if we want to have true agency and, and uh, autonomy over the data we generate and if we want to be uh, a partner um, in discussion who actually has um, has power, then this is not going to, to take us anywhere. Um, mm. Selling data or uh, receiving money for it is a one-time transaction. Once you, you sell, um, there, there are very little things you can do in order to, to have control over that data. Um, um, we can also go into the, the aspect of indirect data, so the, the data that you don't know is collected about you, which, mm. which is completely um, avoided from, um, from people that, that are promoting property rights or compensation models for data. So um, data ownership is a very nuanced and very complex discussion and I would uh, I would invite listeners to have a look at my uh, fellowship project uh, which is called Our Data Future and to see some of the arguments and, and some of the um, of the points that I'm raising there. Okay um, I think we will wrap it up at, at this point. Uh, we usually have this discussion with, with our um, interviewees or um, guests on the podcast that it's, it's very hard to wrap it up on a positive note, um, these debates that are, um, that are revolving around uh, digital rights and, and things that are happening online because compared to the, to the good stuff, there's a lot of, or there's, there's more bad stuff going on uh, with the, be it uh, privacy, um, data ownership, um, uh, internet feudalism, or control over the internet and stuff, and I think we uh, we've instilled just the right amount of optimism in the end, so that our listeners won't be too depressed on on what's going to happen next, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot guarantee that. <laughs> We'll end with, with a no comment from, from Valentina. <laughs> um, thank you very much for, for dropping by. Um, uh, keep in touch and uh, uh, we'll surely see you in, in some other occasion. Thank you for the invitation. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.